1: I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of your opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. For new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL100. Hello, everybody. Welcome into a new Patriots Beat podcast here on this Wednesday afternoon. Evan Lazar alongside me, as always, 98.5's Alex Barth. And Alex... We pulled a fast one on everybody yesterday when we said we weren't yeah. gonna be back till Thursday, but totally slipped my mind at the end of yesterday's show that we would have so much roster movement on Wednesday with the practice squad and other moves that we can get to here in a minute. But I wanted to start as I I wanted to start here because we're getting news now trickling in off the wire, right? Uh and, and we should hear here in a few minutes, maybe some more roster transactional type of thing. So I wanted to start with this morning when we spoke to Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. I just counted. He was asked nine questions, nine, about Cam Newton. Did not mention Cam Newton by name once in that any yes. of those answers. We can also get into Belichick's answer about the COVID-19 vaccination status of Cam Newton, which was... Interesting to say the least, but were you at all surprised at how evasive Belichick was with his answers about uh, Cam Newton? Because I think on the one hand, everybody always says, "Oh, this is typical Belichick; he doesn't give any answers to the media." Yada yada yada. With Cam, it's been different. I I would say with Bill, and I would also say that he has given a lot more insight into players that have left than what he did with Cam Newton this morning.
0: Yeah, I would say I I, I wasn't surprised for the most part. I I didn't think we were going to get a ton. You know, I thought it would kind of be, you know, I already addressed that, blah, blah, blah. But I thought there would be an overarching statement. You know, Cam was a great player for us. We'd like to thank him for, you know, I'd like to thank him for his hard work for last year and a half. He did everything we asked him to do. Right. I, I, I thought that, you know, he generally gives that sort of sentiment before moving on. There, that So if, if he had done that first, the rest of it lines up perfectly. He addressed it. He addressed Cam. He moves on. Right. I didn't think we were going to get questions about the, the testing misunderstanding or any of that or get answers on the testing misunderstanding or any of that. But the mm-hmm. fact that he didn't say Cam Newton's name once, that that feels weird to me.
1: It was one of those press conferences where it almost felt like he felt like it was already been addressed by yesterday's decision, even though he never spoke on it, right? And like you said, the send-off or a little bit more of a flowery send off for lack of a better term, was what I was expecting from Bill Belichick based off of the just identifying the elephant in the room, right? And instead he just acted like Cam Newton was just another cut, just another procedural right. decision. That the team made yesterday in the same vein that the Patriots decided to to cut D-Virgin, they also decided to cut Cam Newton, right? And obviously from our perspectives as media, it's very, very different things uh, and those types of things. But that's kind of the sense that Bill Belichick gave. He gave very generic boilerplate type of answers about how it's difficult to cut everybody. And it's everybody's in the same boat yesterday is a tough day for everyone in the organization, whether you're on the 53 man roster or not. And he also mentioned, as we found out today a couple of times that it's a fluid situation, right? That this roster is far from set and we'll get to some of the moves that they made today, but Overall, I was very, very surprised that Bill Belichick did not, like I said, multiple opportunities just to say, look, we did what was best for the football team. Cam did everything that we asked of him. Cam did everything that we could. But we felt like this was the best path forward. And we never got that sentence. We never got that sentiment from Bill Belichick. And then we also got some just out of left field opinions, quite frankly, about the vaccine, the vaccine and the efficacy of the vaccine. Nobody asked him, I don't think, if he, for his take on the vaccine. Right? I mean, right. Uh, I think it was Ben Volan who asked him if the vaccination status of Cam Newton played a factor, or maybe. So he was he was asked
0: twice. He was asked once if the vaccination status played a factor. He said no. And keep right. in mind, he has to say no to that question. If you look at what's going on in Jacksonville right now, where sure. Urban Meyer admitted that vaccination status played a role, the union's going to come after him, come down on him hard if he if he answers that question with anything but a definitive no. So that was the first one. Then it was yeah, Ben Volen followed it up with kind of a you know, well, did his did did, did his availability, blah blah blah, and that's where again. Bill has to say no to that question. He has to answer that question, no, or the team's going to lose draft picks. They're going to get fined. He could get suspended, etc. Um, But it was what he said after that, that, that was a little striking.
1: Right. So after he said no, initially to the question of Cam's vaccination status, which again, he pastor, has to do, right. He's then went on, he paused, right? Nobody asked another question yet. He paused. And then he had this statement to make. We have other players on the team who aren't vaccinated, as I would say, probably does every other team in the league. We've had minimal throughout the league. There have been a number of, of, then there's been a number. Okay. The typos in this. No, I no, no. You, you have
0: it wrong. He said it's we've had minimal. There's been a number throughout the league. Right. He's saying that they've been minimal in New England, but there's multiple examples around the league.
1: Right. Of players who have had the virus who have been vaccinated. So your implication that vaccination solves every problem, I would say that has not been substantiated based on what's happening in training camp throughout the NFL this year. So... I don't necessarily care one way or another what Bill Belichick's opinions are on a personal level about vaccines. If he's anti-vax, then that's absolutely fine. If that's his opinion, I don't necessarily agree with him, but he's allowed to have his opinion just like everybody else in this country. Now, from a football standpoint, as we've talked about with Cam Newton several times, this matters, right? It matters if you're not vaccinated in the NFL and the protocols are different from players that are versus aren't. Now, I think Bill Belichick, even though he had to say no, I still think that Bill Belichick was being genuine. I I do not think that Cam's vaccination status played a major role in this decision. In fact, I think that Mac Jones won this job outright, and I don't think it was particularly close from people that I've spoken to on the team in that locker room, it was pretty well known that Mac Jones was had a better grasp of what they were doing and was further along in what they were doing this season than Cam Newton for several factors, right? And they felt internally that Mac Jones had clearly won this job. So I actually think that Belichick was being honest this morning in a lot of ways, and I actually do think that Bill Belichick is skeptic uh, is skeptical about the vaccine in general, and would not hold that against a player. And this was a true football decision. I know we might differ on this, but I feel pretty strongly about it based off of what I've heard and who the people I have talked to. That Bill Belichick did not put a lot of stock in decisions, and like he said, we have players on the team that are vaccinated, aren't vaccinated, right? We have players right. that are unvaccinated currently on the fifty-three man roster, so. Why those, why do those players make the team and Cam doesn't? If this is about COVID, right? This is to me was about football and Mac Jones won the job and Cam Newton lost it. Yeah. Again, I, you know, I
0: always just, just to kind of go back to my argument yesterday, I always believe Mac Jones won the job. I thought that this might have been a, a tipping point, uh, but it wasn't the be all end all. Mac Jones was the better quarterback. Clearly, I truly believe that. But you know what? I'm honestly ready to just move on and hopefully this is. The last time we have to discuss vaccinations on this show.
1: <laughs> I don't think it will be, unfortunately, because I think sucks. this is going to be a year-long issue. Well, we'll have
0: to talk about COVID. It's just yes. the vaccines. The COVID, you know, players are going to get COVID around the league. That's going to happen, but hopefully we're done talking about the vaccine itself.
1: Okay, so let's talk about, first and foremost, I, we do know 11 of the 16 players that are, are going to be signing with, or have already signed with the Patriots practice squad I can read out those 11 guys in a second, but I wanted to get to first Malcolm Perry, who the Patriots claimed on yep. waivers. When you claim a player on waivers during the cutdown process, that means that player is going on the 53-man roster. This is not a claim to go to the practice squad. So Malcolm Perry on the 53-man roster, they initially cut Harvey Longy to make room for Malcolm Perry on the team, but it sounds like Nikhil Harry's IR status, Nikhil Harry, was placed on injured reserve he will miss the first three games of the season that will now open up the spot for them to bring back harvey longy but unfortunately due to procedural things they had to cut harvey longy and then bring him back once they get nakil through the wire on injured reserve so nakil harry to injured reserve is a thing we can discuss that as well but malcolm perry what are your impressions of bill belichick finally getting his navy uh guy here alex yeah, I think he's going to be fun. Uh, Matt Chatham actually had a really interesting point
0: on Twitter where where he brought up that, you know, not necessarily the ceiling, but the prototype comp for Mac Jones has sort of been Drew Brees throughout this process. And what did the Saints do to kind of offset some of the, the Drew Brees' physical limits? Yeah. Well, they gave him Taysom Hill. They gave him a hybrid quarterback receiver. Well, what's Malcolm Perry? I, he's not a big, you know, bully ball runner like Taysom Hill is, but could Malcolm Perry be used in a Taysom Hill role? Probably. Probably. I, I don't know entirely. I, I honestly didn't see him throw the ball much last year, and it's not, you know, Taysom Hill, whatever BYU's offense is, I don't know exactly what it is. It's not a triple option. I mean, Malcolm Perry was doing something completely different in Navy. He he wasn't throwing the ball a ton. He did occasionally. So you'd have to look into that. But I like the signing of Perry. We, we talked about this. If Nikhil Harry was going to miss the beginning of the season, and now we know he is, uh They were going to need another wide receiver. Perry can do that. He had some depth at running back as well. I I think he could return kicks. He hasn't done it, but just having watched him with the ball in his hands, I I think he's a guy who could potentially have some success there. So a little three-week tryout, a little three-week window, and then you you readdress it when Nikhil Harry is ready to go. But I think this is the exact kind of signing this team needed to make. I think it was a good signing.
1: So we've discussed this a few times and a guy like Isaiah Zuber was potentially maybe that type of role player, that type of gadget player for this team. Yeah. But the Patriots, other than if you consider Johnny Smith in that mix, which I do think he will be, they did, they did kind of need another guy that could be schemed. Uh, it could be used on scheme touches, what I would call it reverses, end arounds, jet sweeps, just different misdirection in the backfield as a ball carrier behind the line of scrimmage and I think Malcolm Perry has shown in the NFL and certainly in college when he when he was a quarterback but mostly a runner right that he's a very good ball carrier and a very good a player in space with the ball on his hand so another gadget type of player that will be able to be used in a limited role probably but have some of those elements to it now the Patriots did extensive amount of homework on Malcolm Perry in the draft process they weren't able to get him but he was shocked when they didn't get him right he said I right. thought for sure the Patriots were going to draft me Bill Belichick talked to me two, three times during the draft process, and the board didn't fall that way. So this is Bill Belichick finally getting his guy to a degree. And we're going to talk about another player on the practice squad that they just signed in, Ben Mason, who's another guy that I think is Bill Belichick finally getting one of his guys. Now, Malcolm Perry on the team, as Alex and I just both discussed, a ball carrier type of role, right? A guy that you're going to be able to scheme into space, scheme touches for him and do things like that with him that they didn't necessarily have another guy on the roster that played that type of role, unless you wanted to use Johnny Smith as a featured ball carrier, especially with Nikhil Harry going out. Although Nikhil Harry had, varying degrees of success I would say with uh carrying the football and design touches at least he was somebody that could do it and had done it in the past so they didn't necessarily have that guy maybe Malcolm Perry is that for a little while here for the Patriots um let's move on to these practice squad signings though and we're starting to get basically the entire picture of the practice squad here we have 11 names i'll read them off for everybody starting with fullback ben mason that's the most recent signing to the practice squad that's been reported brian hoyer jelani tavai miles bryant matt lacoste christian wilkerson trey nixon d'angelo ross alex redmond bill murray and deshaun bauer so the first part of this, Alex, is certainly the quarterback position, right? And and we have both heard, and as Doug Kite also reported on Twitter, that they are maybe potentially searching for a third arm here at some point. And I, I think that the big thing that you have to look at with this is that practice squad elevation option, right? So you can you can have a player on the practice squad and elevate him on game day. The Patriots did it last year with Nick Folk a couple times to get him on the roster for game day to kick in the game. So Brian Hoyer can be elevated at any time to come up for the game in Week One to be Mac Jones's backup in this in the season opener against Miami. But and. Still on the surface, the Patriots are only carrying two, one quarterback, excuse me, one quarterback on their 53 man roster, and that is Mac Jones. But what were your impressions of Brian Hoyer being the only quarterback here on the practice squad, but so far, but on the practice squad instead of the 53 man roster and just the approach the Patriots are taking with the quarterback position right now?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to waste time talking about, you know, oh, well, they're, they're keeping Jones and Hoyer as the quarterback because they're probably going to sign a third and then just doesn't make sense to talk about oh they only kept two because this and then boom a third guy takes up one of those last five spots i think with the practice squad mildly surprising at first but we we should have seen it coming they didn't even carry a kicker last year let's not forget that they, it, and not you know instantly i mean they didn't have a kicker on their active roster week one they promoted nick folk from the practice squad and i think this they did the same thing in week two so they don't actually need to carry I mean, technically they could never carry a second quarterback. They could just keep promoting guys from the practice right. squad, but you know, they get kind of two weeks here to play with Brian Hoyer's status. And you know, if that's how you get Malcolm Perry on the roster, if that's how you get, you know, if they're going to go out and get another wide receiver uh, or another cornerback or whoever, if that's how you get those guys on the roster, that's how you keep Harvey Longy on the roster, then that, that's what it's going to be. So I, uh, you know, it, it works again. I'd like to see them bring in a third quarterback regardless. Whether it's on the active roster or on the practice squad, but I think this is just Bill using the new rules to his advantage and sort of manipulating things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And these rules benefit them in a lot of different ways. Like you mentioned, is a guy like Malcolm Perry able to sign here? It, or are they able to claim Malcolm Perry, I should say, off of waivers? If they have Brian Hoyer on the initial 53, do they have a spot for him? Harvey Longie probably doesn't make the initial roster at that point, right? And he's probably already on the practice squad or going through the waiver process as well. So there's definitely something to be said in terms of roster management. And we talked about this when we did our pr- projection on Monday, Alex, where I said, Brian Hoyer's a vested veteran. He becomes a free agent instantly. The Patriots don't need to carry him because I didn't really think that there would be much interest outside of New England for Brian Hoyer's services. They seem to feel the same way. And it's actually to the point with a lot of these guys. And I had one agent that I was texting with earlier today mentioned that that guaranteed salary in week one is a massive part of why these vested veterans are signing on practice squads, right? The Patriots have a couple of them. They have Brian Hoyer. They have Matt LaCosse. Uh, he's a, a vested veteran. That's now signed to their practice squad. And these guys around the NFL are having a tough time getting offers for 53 man rosters because of that guaranteed week one salary. So they are seeing a lot of these vested veterans sign with practice squads and, Get more practice squad offers. Matt Lacoste is a player that had half a dozen practice squad offers, but zero fifty-three man roster offers, right? Because right. Uh, of the way that the salary cap works and the way that contracts work in the NFL. So, a interesting move. I mean, it's basically the same thing that they did with the kickers last year. It's it's really right. no different than that. And, and yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that's
0: you know if we're just kind of projecting out the rest of the practice squad here, I. I think you know five what five spots left I think one goes yep. to quarterback and I, I could see another going to a kicker too
1: yeah yeah me as well so a couple of these other practice score we're going to talk about some of the guys that they were able to retain on the practice squad again uh, I don't know if I mentioned it but the Patriots had nobody claimed on waivers that they released yesterday so everybody right, cleared yeah. waivers for the Patriots in terms of the guys that had to go through the waiver process so everyone was an option for the Patriots to resign on the practice squad So we'll get to some of the players that they were able to bring back. But was Ben Mason the most predictable signing that we all should have seen coming? Because this was fascinating. Now, Ian Rappaport said that the Patriots are signing Ben Mason under the impression, at least as it was presented to Rap Sheet, to quickly elevate him to the 53-man roster when a roster spot becomes available. So first and foremost, what do you think about them? getting Ben Mason here in the fold. I, as soon as I saw Ben Mason was waived yesterday, I thought that my ears perked up, right? I, I thought this right. would be a possibility, but now it sounds like they had Ben Mason has a legitimate chance to knock Jacob Johnson off the roster. And then they're going to carry two fullbacks.
0: Which they might, you know, we went from, I, I was sitting here saying they're not going to carry a fullback to, you know, maybe you go 22 personnel, two tight ends, two fullbacks, and you just push your way down the field, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's it's interesting i think the nature of the fullback position is highly physical yeah i think it's a spot that you just you know you want that depth right you want that extra depth um because you know we we remember what happened when when james devlin went down and 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 then Jacob johnson got hurt shortly after as a rookie and they really didn't have anybody for that role so they have some more depth there now um I also wonder if it's maybe a thing where he's going to be elevated quickly, then sent back. Maybe if Hunter Henry's not ready to go and Matt LaCoste isn't ready to go, instead of adding another tight end, you just kind of use him as a essentially a blocking tight end, right? right. Mason, and you put him on the line of scrimmage or you put Johnson on the line of scrimmage and Mason is the fullback, whatever it is. Uh, I, I, I find it hard to believe Johnson's roster spots at risk because I think if it was, he would have been one of these guys, they cut to to IR players or bring somebody back. So that's an interesting one. But, uh, yeah, it made a ton of sense. Michigan, fullback, plays the game they want to play. It, it, it makes sense that he's in New England.
1: He's one of those guys that what, – what was the Landon Roberts quote? I'm going to hit somebody's mother effer. Run, run through
0: a mother effer's face. Yeah.
1: Ben Mason's a guy that runs through mother effer's faces, right? He He yeah. is a no-nonsense sledgehammer. And he definitely reminds me when I watched him at Michigan – a little bit more of a James Devlin, right? Who is just an absolute battering ram. And not saying that Jakob Johnson is not a physical player and doesn't have good play strength, but Ben Mason at Michigan was a absolute force as a lead blocker. So I think the Patriots not only see Ben Mason as a potential guy to push Jakob Johnson right now, I actually think that he could be their fullback for a while if he's able to stick here in New England. This could be a four or five year thing with Ben Mason.
0: Johnson is well we'll have to see what kind of they might have only signed a one-year deal um Johnson is a restricted free agent after this season so his contract is they they technically have team control it wouldn't cost them a ton to keep him uh but his contract is up at the end of the year
1: right so I, I definitely see Ben Mason being a guy that could potentially be here for a while which is Interesting, just because I thought Jakob Johnson had a great summer. I thought that he's been good in the role that they've asked him to play as a lead blocker. So, although you're always looking to upgrade and you're always looking to get better at every position, I I don't know if I necessarily saw an upgrade on Jakob Johnson as necessary, right? This more just kind of fell in their laps and, and maybe they just couldn't say no to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that you know, I think that's kind of the case with Malcolm Perry, too. I don't yeah. know that he's the receipt, the kind of receiver they needed. We talked about it yesterday, Brashad Perryman. Um, uh, who who is the other one? Uh, John Brown, right? Brown, yeah. Good player, you know, and, and, and when good players are out there, he was right there. They weren't going to have to give up anything to get him. So it made sense.
1: So the other player, men- we mentioned Mason, we mentioned Perry. The other player that is reportedly signing with the practice squad that wasn't here in Patriots training camp is Jelani Tavai from Detroit, formerly a Matt Patricia player, 6'2", 250-pound, thumping linebacker, pretty much a Juwan Bentley archetype, right? Basically the same type of player as a Juwan Bentley. This makes a lot of sense for the Patriots, too. He signed with the practice squad to Vibe, but I think that he has a chance to play in some games this year, especially if Bentley gets injured or Hightower gets injured or one of those linebackers go down. And just your prototypical Patriot linebacker that Matt Patricia obviously thought highly of in Detroit as well. Yeah, and your your prototypical Patriots,
0: you know, signing for this time of year, a guy who was a second-round pick, right, in 2019, kind of never got there with the Lions, and they're going to give him another shot, which is which is what they like to do. Maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. But, you know, they're buying low on a guy with potential. The other one I'm wondering about is Pernell McPhee got cut. And I think he might've gotten to a practice squad, but that still technically means he's a free agent. He always seemed like a guy that would be a fit for their system. I wonder if they'd, uh, if they'd give him a chance.
1: Yeah. On the one hand you do, you do get a little bit, I wouldn't call it annoyed, but de- definitely a little bit frustrated with the fact that the Patriots, Are still so dead set on, on signing and drafting and bringing in these 250 plus linebackers that aren't great in space and aren't great in coverage. Now, the way around it is that you always have those guys moving forward. You keep them clean at the second level. You allow them to come downhill in the trenches and you may basically turn those guys into forward missiles, right? You're either blitz or you're going to stop the run, but you're not going to drop much in coverage.
0: Well, that and you, I mean, you have bigger run covering safeties like
1: Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar. Right, right, exactly. So that's the way around it, but it definitely is – it's something that the rest of the league is is going away from, right? The rest of the league is, right. is, is looking for the these athletic Darius Leonard type of linebackers, right, or Deion Jones in Atlanta. These type of guys that are, are great coverage guys, Fred Warner in San Francisco, that are fantastic – in space that can drop into coverage and basically cover from the linebacker position like a safety, right? That, that's what the rest of the league is looking for because of the way these passing attacks. The Patriots are still picking up all of these 250, 255 pound thumpers. And maybe that it, Belichick, as he often does, looks at it and says, I'm going to go where it's cheap. Right? The rest of the league is paying these athletic guys crazy money. Fred Warner, I believe, just signed a huge deal. Darius Leonard just signed a huge deal. So maybe he feels like that's where the best value is, is to stick this course. And obviously his system asks for these linebackers to be able to read both gaps, take on guys in the the line of scrimmage, take on lead blockers, take on just – Everybody, right? Whether it's a climbing offensive lineman, it's a fullback, it's a ball carrier in the hole. You know, these guys have to have great take on technique and ability to do that. But certainly, we see this as a Belichick kind of sticking to his old guns, and the rest of the league evolving maybe a little bit more to the passing game.
0: Yeah, I, that that's maybe a little bit of it. But again, I think he's going to keep doing what he's doing. When the league zigs, he zags. That's what he likes to do. That's how he's doing it.
1: Fair enough. All right. Let's talk about some of these guys that uh, stuck around on the Patriots practice squad. First and foremost, Miles Bryant passing through waivers was a surprise to me, especially with how good some of his tape was from last year. So he passes through waivers, re-signs with the Patriots practice squad. Were you surprised that Miles Bryant was able to get back to the practice squad first and, and second? Why do we think he did Right. I mean, what does the rest of the league see? What do the Patriots even see by cutting him? I'd mentioned the size thing yesterday because that's the only thing that I can think of that would be the factor here at five, seven, five, eight hundred and eighty pounds. He's not big enough to play a slot corner role in the NFL, but the Patriots cut him. Miles Bryan passes through waivers and clears waivers he could be hurt that that could be a factor that he might not pass a physical right now. If you were claimed by another team, but what do you think is going on with miles? Bryant? I think it's gotta be the injury. I think that's gotta be it. There's no other reason. He's
0: a good NFL, you know, hybrid defensive back. Not great, right. but he's good. He certainly provides solid depth. I think it, it just wasn't, you know, cause the way the waiver order works, you put in a claim on a player, you go to the bottom of the waiver order until somebody else claims a player. So you know with an injury for a guy who's not going to be able to play right away i just wonder if teams didn't want to initially give up their spot uh on the waiver i, I almost wonder if there's a, if there's a higher chance he would have been claimed if he had been kept and then waived today in that right. first you know cuz he would have been one of the best players on that second the the, the second wave I, I can't think of a better way to phrase that but um I, I, it's got to be the injury for me. So that's kind of why I figured he got through. He wasn't the biggest surprise for me. That was Christian Wilkerson because he's healthy. But right. I, I would think whatever injury Brian's dealing with, it was enough the team said, you know what, we can go get somebody else. Because here's the thing. You're not signing Miles Bryant necessarily with a super long-term projection. He is a long-term projection guy, but a guy like that, you're probably signing right now to fill a need. But the reality is he's hurt. So he's not going to be able to fill that need right now. So that might've protected him. Uh, so mildly surprised. I thought somebody might take a shot on him, but uh, I was more surprised by Wilkerson getting through.
1: Yeah. The way that I look at Miles, Brian too, is just, he's got great versatility. He can play multiple spots. He can play a little bit of safety. He can play a little bit of slot corner. He's got NFL level cover talent, right? He's definitely somebody, especially in man coverage systems that can hang and cover guys, man to man pretty well. But that size thing, if you're looking for a football reason, I also think it's probably mostly the injury, but if you're looking for a football reason when you're going to play in the middle of the field and you're going to play in the slot or you're going to play down in the box and you're 180 pounds soaking wet, that that's going to be a, a problem, right? That that's going to be an issue right. in this league. And I, I do think that that's coming up with Miles Bryant a little bit just based off of the lack of interest around the league in his in his services and the patriots wanting to cut him as well. So Christian Wilkerson is the other name that you mentioned. He is back on the practice squad too. Another player that had options in terms of practice squad options. He could have gone and signed with a lot of teams practice squads. No 53 offers, no waiver claim. So Christian Wilker, Wilkerson comes back to the Patriots practice squad. This to me is good. I I I thought before the Malcolm Perry news came out that Wilkerson might get elevated once Nikhil Harry went on injured reserve. They end up claiming Malcolm Perry instead. So Wilkerson needs to wait a little bit longer to potentially get his chance. But if there's an injury at that wide receiver room on the 53, I I don't think the team is going to hesitate with calling up Christian Wilkerson for a game or two.
0: Yeah. and What I would say is, Maybe it's even Wilkerson week one, right? Perry just got here. Can he get ready right. in
1: time for week one?
0: If they have more long-term aspirations with Perry, Wilkerson's been here. He knows the offense. He has chemistry with Mac. I wonder if they go with Wilkerson week one, and then in week two, maybe you start bringing Perry into the fold, right? Where where Perry's maybe a healthy scratch in week one. So that's nothing against Malcolm Perry, but it, you know it's a tough right. turnaround. You got a week and a half to learn a new offense against a guy who's been here for, for now a, a full calendar year. Right. Cause he got signed, Wilkerson did by the Patriots on this date last year to the practice squad. So I also, I,
1: I, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying, I'm really not trying to bring it back to the vaccine, but do we know if Malcolm Perry is vaccinated or not? Because that's a five day oh, window. Right. Of um, thing. I'm, I have no idea. You know what?
0: what? Out there. I, I think because isn't there a military mandate? Cause he's still technically Navy reserve, I think, like Joe Cardona. Potentially. So he, he may have to be by the military. I, you're right. I don't want to get into that. Anyway, um, either way, I, it's, a, it's a quick turnaround. Whether that five-day yeah. window's there or not, I still wouldn't rule out Christian Wilkerson
1: for week one. I wouldn't either. I thought Christian Wilkerson did enough early on in, in, in the summer. He was starting to also gravitate towards Matthew Slater, Justin Bethel, Cody Davis, Brendan Bolden, uh, Brendan King. We talked a lot about this, right, with the special teamers, and he was over there a lot. Working on his technique, working on his craft as a special teamer. And it felt like first 10 days of training camp that Wilkerson was very much on the roster, right? It, it felt like that he had earned that and they were starting to cross train him at different special teams roles to have him be able to potentially play, uh, be active on game day. And then it just completely fell apart for him, but that player still came out at times I thought against the Giants he made some good plays in the passing game one of them was a nice adjustment by Mac Jones and just in terms of the plays that they were calling he had a run play or a pass play checked out of it got to the pass play and was able to hit Christian Wilkerson on that crosser he also was able to hit Christian Wilkerson on a little bit of a route adjustment early his very first completion was a 21-yarder to Christian Wilkerson off play action where Wilkerson saw the post safety, sat the route down, and made himself available to Mac Jones. That was a pretty solid route adjustment and just a savvy move by Christian Wilkerson to understand what he was doing out there. So I, I actually... I wasn't initially on the Christian Wilkerson bandwagon and then everybody kind of came off the Christian Wilkerson bandwagon right there for after the Philadelphia joint practices and things like that. But I thought he turned it back on a little bit the last week of training camp with the Giants and specifically in that preseason finale against the Giants. So, I do think that there is a role for him on this team in the future, and I'm glad that they were able to keep him on the practice squad. I thought for sure he was going to get claimed, and when he didn't get claimed, I thought maybe there will be a, a 53 offer for him down the road, but it, it hasn't turned out that way. Matt Lacoste is another player that could have gotten uh signed- By the way, sorry, real quick, uh Malcolm Perry, I
0: just just looking at something. Malcolm Perry graduated but was not commissioned, so okay. I,
1: I don't think he'd be subject to any military requirements. Okay. So Matt Lacoste also signed with the Patriots practice squad. Another I mentioned earlier that these vested veterans are having a tough time. The the guys that were vets that got cut, like a Matt Lacoste, that didn't have to pass through waivers, they they didn't have uh, very many of those guys sign with 53-man rosters. A lot of these guys are signing with practice squads due to the way contracts work in the NFL. So I, I honestly think Matt Lacoste has gotten a little bit of a bad rap by a lot of Patriots fans, because when they signed him in 2019, he was forced to basically be the number one tight end on the depth chart. And that wasn't his fault, right? He was not, he should not have been a number one tight end on the depth chart. The Patriots just had so little depth and so little talent at that position after Rob Gronkowski retired or retired for a year that Matt LaCoste was put into a position where he was, Damned, you know, like there was no way that he was going to be able to to produce at the level that that he was being asked to produce at. So, as a tight end three or now a tight end four on the practice squad, this is a solid depth option here, right? I no one's saying that he's a, an all pro player, a Pro Bowl player, but to get Matt Lacoste as the fourth tight end on the on the practice squad is a solid move, I would say. Yeah,
0: it it, it absolutely is. I thought. And I wasn't super high on Matt Lacoste coming in, but I thought he had a very good summer up until he got hurt. And I wonder if you mentioned the financial elements of it too. I wonder kind of like we talked about with Bryant, if a team's just not super eager to sign a guy coming right off a concussion, I think that might've helped a little bit. And you see these new practice squad rules in effect here. He's a good guy to have around though, with as banged up as Hunter Henry's been uh, given what he showed this, this, summer that I think that that's a sneaky good practice squad addition for the Patriots.
1: I think so as well. I'm not trying to sit here and say that Matt LaCoste is, is, you know, Rob Gronkowski 2.0. We should give him more credit. I'm just saying that Matt LaCoste gets a lot of flack for not being Rob Gronkowski 2.0 and he never was right.
0: it's, It's funny. He was kind of like his situation on a much smaller scale, kind of mirrors what Cam Newton dealt with last year in some ways. Right. Right, because I, I think a lot of the hatred towards Cam Newton was simply the fact that he was not Tom Brady. Right, and, and Lacoste was like you said, not not Rob Gronkowski, but he's a guy. You know, again, I they shouldn't start him. But let's say Hunter Henry gets banged up, and you know it's a lot, but you're a lot better off promoting Matt Lacoste in the practice squad for a week and giving Hunter Henry a week off, as opposed to having put to put having to put Hunter Henry on IR and you lose him for three weeks. Right. So you can just you can give him, put him on the healthy scratch, give him the week off, let him heal up. Uh, I, so it's, you know, again, he's not starting. Let's not act like, I'm not celebrating his here cause he's starting, but I think having him available on the practice squad, if he needs to fill in for a pinch, uh, there's much worse guys you could have in that role. I think he's just about as good as you can get in that role, especially given the fact that he's been here for years and he knows the offense.
1: Another player that stood out in that Giants finale, Alex D'Angelo Ross, coming back to the practice squad too. This one is both Brian and Ross being on the practice squad is sneaky big because Jonathan Jones doesn't sound like his injury is going to be long-term, but he is a little bit banged up. And right now on the 53, unless you're going to consider Mills a, an inside guy, but he has to play outside right now because it's Stephon Gilmore's situation. The Patriots are a little bit thin at slot corner. So getting Miles Bryan and D'Angelo Ross back on the practice squad gives them some security there. It does. They can play Sean Wade in the slot too. I think
0: they like him as an outside corner. Yeah. But he played in the slot in college. Corner. I asked cornerbacks coach Mike Pellegrino about this today. He said, you know, one of the things they love about Wade is his versatility, right? He's a, he's a DB. That's what he said. He's a DB. He's an overall defensive back. Right. They value guys that can do that. But, you know, if he's not ready for week one, I, I think – I certainly think Bryant, if healthy, is a candidate to be elevated week one. If he's not healthy, I yeah. think D'Angelo Ross is a guy you could see on an emergency basis just to kind of give them some depth. They're only carrying eight defensive backs, four yeah. corners, four safeties. That's not a ton either way. So I, I had I, of I, projections
1: I, that had them with 10, 11 yeah, defensive I backs. I had, them
0: at, I had them at 10, I think.
1: Right. Yeah, that well, sounds right.
0: They do have one more with Justin Bethel I should include him in that in that equation because Correct. he did have a great summer playing cornerback and it does sound like they want him to play a little corner but they they are still you mentioned in the slot then it's Jonathan Jones and then Sean Wade who just got here so yeah I, I I definitely think Miles Bryant at some point ends up on the active roster and I wouldn't be surprised
1: if D'Angelo Ross even as a temporary elevation ends up on the roster as well me neither I Ernie Adams' guy Trey Nixon ends up back on the practice squad I'm interested to see more out of Trey Nixon. I, I think that he has an NFL future maybe a year away, has to fill out a little bit, work on his body a little bit. He missed a ton of practice time, so it was difficult for him to pick it up this year. He w- surprised me, I would say, with his quickness and his ability to create separation at the top of the route out of the slot. I We saw at in college at UCF, his ability to separate vertically, right? To run down the sideline and get open over the top of the defense. But in the limited action that we saw Trey Nixon with the Patriots in training camp, he was winning a lot more inside as a slot option. And when he was healthy, there were times there where him and Mac Jones had quite the rapport working inside with those little inside option routes and Trey Nixon looked like he had a good feel for those. So he's a developmental player, that doesn't beat out a guy like Gunnar Olszewski yet just because of Gunnar's punt return ability. But in terms of another guy that they could add in that mix in the slot, I think Trey Nixon could be somebody like that in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I I think Nixon does have NFL upside, but like you said, he's at least a year away. I I said it from the draft. This was the perfect outcome for Trey Nixon. This is exactly what you were looking for. He's going to get on the practice squad. He's going to sit behind Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Learn from these guys for a year, and then we'll see what he puts into practice next summer. And he can make a real run at the roster next summer. I think that's that's exact. That in my mind should have been the plan when they drafted him. Uh, That was always probably the best case scenario for him. And here it is in practice,
1: right? Any love for Bill Murray or Deshaun Bauer? I've been a Deshaun Bauer guy. I know you're a Deshaun Bauer guy. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Murray had a decent camp, a decent preseason beat up on some bad offensive linemen late in some of these preseason games. He was near the top of the league in terms of interior defenders, pressures, pressures per snap, all those types of PFF metrics. Ranked really highly in those, but granted, he did add up a lot of those pressures in three minutes to go in the fourth quarter against guys that are no longer on teams right now in the interior of the offensive lines. But Bowers, I've been a Bower guy. I, I think Bauer is another one of those guys that you lose some bodies on the edge of the defense. They've just got insane depth there right now on the 53 man roster with Judon and Van Noy and Uche and Winovich and Ronnie Perkins. And they they just had too many bodies there for Bauer to make the team. But if one of those guys goes down, if two of those guys goes down, a, a guy that's long, got good play strength, plays the position the way that they want to play it in terms of setting the edge and not rushing past the quarterback and, and just doing those little types of things that they like. I like Bauer. Do you like Bauer? Do you like Bill Murray? Do you like any of these other guys that they kept that you think could maybe at some point be elevated to a, for a game day type of roster spot?
0: Yeah. I have to pull up the full list. Cause I don't remember who we, who we talked about. I like Bauer. I, I think Bill Murray's an interesting guy just because he, he started playing a ton of special teams at the end of the, the summer. And you yeah. don't generally see that from a defensive tackle. Right. Cut out. Sorry. Were you about to say something. He kind of froze up.
1: Oh no. I just, I think it's funny that at two 90, maybe even 300 pounds, Bill Murray's out there covering kicks. It, it was, it was just funny to see.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that they'd like another look at next summer I'm looking at the list. The only name we really haven't talked about is Alex Redman, so he's still here. So now we've named all 11. Uh, I, I will say this: here's my thought, and and they've done this before. So there are 11 players right now out of 16. They don't have to carry 16. And Miguel Benzin, Pat's cap on Twitter, right? He has their their cap number right now with just under six million dollars, and they're going to want moves to room to make moves during the season. I, again, I still think they're going to add a quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked if they had a kicker. After that, they might be done. They might carry 13, 14 guys and leave a couple spots open and just save that money. I wouldn't rule that out. What was it a couple of years ago? Do you remember the yeah. seven? Because we had talked about this. It was our first or second year on the beat. And they were super, super up against the cap. And I think they had like four guys on the, they cut half their practice squad randomly yeah. during the bye week. And then they had like four guys on the practice squad the rest of the year. I wouldn't, you know, six million should be enough to get you through the rest of the year. It should. But, you know, if they wanna if they want room to say trade for a corner at the deadline or something like that, maybe have to pull some salary in. Um I, I could see them maybe staying a little under that sixteen, again, thirteen or fourteen guys on the practice squad.
1: Yeah. I I definitely think that another quarterback is coming and I, I don't know who, who I wish I could tell you who, but there are some. I have a list
0: I I do. have, And I got made fun of for teasing this too much this morning by Adam <laughs> Jones on 98.5, the sports Sub, but 98.5, the sports com. I do have a list of six. Well, I guess it's five quarterbacks. now. All right. So give me, give five. me your
1: list. And then I, I have a couple, I'm sure maybe a few of them are on your list. Yeah.
0: So, uh, so there, there's three ways they can go. They can just The known commodity, right? The guy that's been here knows the offense. That would be Jake DelGala, of course. And then Brian Lewerke, who was only here for a little bit last summer, but he sort of knows. Then they could go with, you know, another Brian Hoyer, just another veteran, another teacher for Mac Jones. I look at a guy like Garrett Gilbert, who I thought did, given the role, did well last year in Dallas. And Josh Johnson, who's been on 14 NFL teams. He's been cut 20 times, but hey, he's seen everything. That knowledge is valuable. You know you're not looking for twenty times. He's been cut twenty times. Yes, been on fourteen NFL teams plus three other professional teams. He's with the Sacramento (laughs) Mountain. Let me see if I can do this. The Sacramento Mountain Lions, who I think were the UFL. Uh, He was with the LA Wildcats of the XFL, and then he was with an AAF team, the San Diego Fleet. Would be so he was with three non NFL teams, and the Sacramento Mountain Lions were the UFL, they were not the FXFL. So that's the one league he hasn't played in, but yeah, 20, uh, 14 teams since 2008. He's seen a lot of football. Um, and then the other category they could go to is because they still do need a backup quarterback. I don't think it's Brian Hoyer beyond this year. And you know, if we were to project ahead, and there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then, but if we were to project ahead. I would say that they're probably going to need a quarterback again next off season, not a starter, obviously, hopefully, but they right. still need to find a backup, a, a sustainable backup for Mac Jones. So maybe they dip into that pool. I thought that potentially uh, Will Greer could be a guy who could come in and be a backup for them for three or four years. I liked his upside. He was claimed by the Cowboys. The other option, somebody beat me to it in the chat, Kyle Lauletta. That was going to be the, Browns, the name I was going to drop. Right, who they, who they, reportedly really liked coming out in the draft in 2018. Uh, Somebody mentioned Stidham. He's going to be out for at least the first six weeks. So you can bring in any one of these guys, cut him six weeks in and Stidham becomes your third quarterback. Or you could just roll with this guy and not activate Stidham, Uh, especially because maybe you want to keep this guy on the practice squad. If you activate Stidham, you then have to cut him to get him back on the practice squad. He might get claimed. So, I, I, I wouldn't rule out a third guy. Those are kind of the three branches they could go. I guess Danny Etling falls into that first category no. too, but he's no. really bad. Uh But yeah, there's a number of directions they could go.
1: Yeah, the the one player quarterback I can tell you that it's not is Ben DiNucci. That's the only one I got. I I, I don't know who it is, but right. I, know, I know it's not Ben DiNucci. The Good. other quarterback that I wanted to throw out there was Kyle Laletta, who had a decent camp in Cleveland. Oh, what about yeah. our guy Tim Boyle? Oh no, not Tim Boyle. Is he anywhere? Uh, Kyle Laletta had a decent camp in, in Cleveland. The boils on the line, by the way. Uh, poor man's, very poor man's Alex Smith, right? Very weak arm. Uh, it takes a lot of air under the ball to get the ball down the field with a guy like Kyle Laletta, But he's got a quick release. He knows how to read the middle of the field uh, he takes care of the football for the most part you're not going to ask him to throw vertical you're not going to ask him to throw 50 yard bombs all game but if you want to win in the quick game and get the football out and and operate within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage with anticipation uh, Kyle letta can be that type of player the other one that I would mention I know that people are going to hate this but Trevor Simeon also got waived And at least Trevor Simeon has some NFL starter experience, right? And when you look at just the backup to a guy like Mac Jones, you want to have it stylistically match up a little bit. And you want to have that guy have a little bit of NFL experience in starting games. And if you're not going to trust Brian Hoyer to be the backup in that respect, then maybe a guy like like a Trevor Simeon who's definitely started a ton of games in the league and, and knows uh, what he's doing. It could be an option there as well, but Lalletta would be my choice. If I, if I had to pick any of these quarterbacks that got cut over the last 24 hours and uh, not Matt Barkley and not uh, Danucci. I just said that that's not happening, but maybe somebody that we just mentioned will be the third quarterback because the Patriots are, I would be shocked at this point, Alex, if they don't bring in a third QB.
0: Is uh, what was his name the the USC quarterback who was here for a minute? Um, Cody Kessler. Is Cody Kessler? Cody Kessler.
1: Oh, that's an interesting one. I think Cody Kessler is a free. He's agent. He's a free agent. He's a, yeah.
0: I uh, he hasn't been on a roster. It looks like since he was on the Patriots' practice. I mean, he was on the practice squad pretty much the whole time in 2019. Oh no, he wasn't. He was here for the last two weeks of September, first two weeks of October. Oh no. And then he was here. He was, so he was he was basically here the whole season except two weeks in October. Right. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I Cody they, Kessler they, makes a ton of sense too. I didn't even think of that.
1: Well, the, you would think Brian Hoyer is going to be the scout team quarterback, but there was a lot of praise for Cody Kessler's work as the scout team quarterback during his time here because he's a little
0: more mobile. He's not yeah, like, that was, you know, right. He's, he's not, not Lamar
1: Jackson, but he can be a different Lamar. kind of quarterback for you. He, 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 to he the can player. mimic some of the mobile stuff. Yeah. Just a little bit. So, so maybe that is a player that they could call upon. Blake not Bortles? Someone. Blake Bortles, what do you think? Bla- I thought Blake Bortles was somewhere. No. Blake Bortles is a free agent. I looked it up earlier. He's, he, he's a street free agent right now.
0: We know, I mean, we, we know they like him. We do know they like him.
1: They liked him in the draft oh, way back when they've, they've learned a lot about Blake Bortles since then. Right. So he is
0: somehow only 29. So in theory, Crazy. you could sign him to like a three year, like a two year, three year deal. And he, I mean, it's not unrealistic to think, like I talked about with Garrett Gilbert, he could be your backup for a little uh, bit. Not, no, backup. not trace McSorley.
1: No, well, he, he, he's on. Well, he got signed by the practice squad Good. in Baltimore. Yeah, he's, just,
0: he's just a, a worse version of Johnny Manziel. No, yeah. Um yeah, I, I guess I could see Blake Bortles. It, it's probably not the worst idea.
1: All right. Well, the the waiver wire or the transaction wire, I should say, came out. The early transaction wire just came out, and no practice squad announcements on the wire. So it's going to be the eight o'clock transaction wire that's oh, going to have. Yeah all the practice squad players, or maybe it's 7. It's 7 or 8 o'clock. I I always forget. One of those two will have the signings that the Patriots have already made. Like Alex said earlier, there's probably a pretty good possibility that the Patriots will not – complete their entire 16-man practice squad today right they might leave a few spots right. open there might be a few negotiations or a few guys that are still deciding one guy that I know that is definitely still designing as well as is Isaiah Zuber uh, as you might, might have noticed we did not mention him as one of the guys that have signed with the Patriots practice squad yet he is still weighing his options as well so I think Zubers. Maybe sensing, okay, Christian Wilkerson signed with the Patriots practice squad. Trey Nixon signed with the practice squad with New England. I'm going to be the third receiver on the practice squad. Maybe go someplace else where there's a little less competition. So Zuber is still out there. That, that's a possibility. Will Sherman's still out there, right? The rookie mm-hmm. offensive lineman. They didn't uh, sign him yet to the practice squad. So still some options. Uh, five spots remain open. But Alex and I will be back on the podcast. Now, I don't know when we're going to do the podcast next, Alex, because the schedule tomorrow is right in the middle of our typical showtime for the pod. So I'm not going to walk ourselves into a schedule like I did yesterday and then have to... I uh, tell everybody we're, we're making an adjustment. So we'll be back on the pod. Follow both of us on Twitter. Uh, I'll put up our, our Twitter handles because we keep it. Oh, I didn't mention Jeff Driscoll as a quarterback option. That's no, yeah, he signed. He was like the first practice squad signing across the league. I think. Oh dude, did he sign already?
0: I thought um, I saw, I think Dallas. Uh, oh, I could have sworn. I saw he was like the first signing this morning. Yeah. He signed the Texans practice
1: squad. Okay. All right. So that one's off the table. It also sucks. Yeah, he does. All right. So you can uh, follow both Alex and I on Twitter. You can see the Twitter handles right there. And we'll keep you updated about when we're going to be back on the podcast. We have a special guest that we're trying to get on the show as well. If you listen to our podcast Right after the draft, we had Tim Jenkins on, a former NFL quarterback, to break down Mac Jones. Tim told us Mac Jones is going to be great, and he was spot on about his analysis back then uh, during the draft process. So we're going to have Tim back on, and then we're also going to discuss with Tim... Mac Jones and the Patriots offense moving forward and all those types of things. So we'll keep you posted on our Twitters at easy at real Alex about when the next pod is going to come down, but we wanted to jump on here tonight and talk about the practice squad and some of the moves that the Patriots made today. So keep it right here on Patriots press pass for a lot more coverage from Wednesday's roster movement and beyond and as we get into the regular season and follow both Alex and I on Twitter you can see the handles right then and there but thanks to everybody for watching and we'll see you soon